everyone, and welcome back to another episode of On The Bench. My name is Joseph Esposito, and I'll be joined here tonight by Oliver Lamont. Ollie, how are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Thanks for Very having well, me back mate. on. Yeah. Seems like it's been yeah. a while, actually. Yeah, it has been a little, has been a little break, and uh, unfortunately, it is with uh, with heavy hearts that that we are, we are announcing that Stefan uh, won't be with us anymore. Uh, uh, a massive thank you to Steph, uh, one, of the, one of the founding fathers uh, of everything that we do here, everything good that we do here. And uh, it won't be the same without him, that's for sure. But we, uh, we will move on. Football requires that of us. Uh, there is too much to talk about. And I know that Steph wouldn't want us to, uh, to uh, sit around and not, and not keep doing what we love doing. And that is, of course, commenting on the world's greatest game. Uh, so I mean, Ollie will be here with you tonight and uh, our old friend Bilal will be joining us later uh, to chat a few things. I know there's a few things that, uh, that aren't sitting too easy with him. But uh, look, for tonight's show, Ollie, uh, we'll, we'll go the usual rundown. So we'll look at the FFA Cup, mate. Um, we'll jump into La Liga. There's been some, uh, been some debatable news out of La Liga in the last week or so. Actually, not even uh, in the last handful of days. Uh, there's a question I have around Champions League for you. And then, of course, we'll get into the Premier League uh, leading into the back end of the show. So, uh, mate, without further ado, let's kick it off. It was a massive night last night of FFA Cup action. Uh, FFA Cup round, round, of, round of 16. There was also, there was almost, I should say, almost two... Uh, massive uh, cup sets. One came through and was probably probably the biggest scalp by an NPL team in FFA Cup history, and that came in the form of RPL Leichhardt Tigers. Uh, the sorry, I just lost my words there. Uh, NPL side out of New South Wales, out of Leichhardt there uh, in the west of Sydney, and uh, they toppled the current A League champions in front of a great crowd of Leichhardt Oval. Where they toppled Melbourne Victory three two, and you know there's there's I'll get more to that later, but, you know, the other results are around the country. Avondale continued their form. They've been fantastic in the Cup this year, and they disposed of Devonport City, a very brave Devonport City. That is out of uh, out of Tasmania, 4-1. Uh, Cam Sober scoring a great goal, an even better celebration. We actually put up a photo on our Instagram of that last night. And, of course, uh, Bentley Greens uh, flying. Uh, I believe uh, the boys at TPO rankings have them up, I think, as, as high as ninth now. Uh, I, I believe, I could be wrong there, but I know it is high, that's for sure. So they're flying, they got a 4-0 win over Broadmeadow Magic away from home. And if I remember correctly, there was a hat-trick, and that was, of course, to Chris Lucas. Uh, I think it was only the, the fourth or fifth? Uh, no, I lied, the sixth or sorry, the seventh, I believe, the seventh FFA Cup hat-trick. Uh, the, only the second or third coming from a... Uh, a um, a non-A-League side. So, Ollie, getting back to this massive result, Arpia toppling the 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 current A-League champions, the most successful uh, A-League side, 3-2. They were up 2-0, Arpia. Um, and Melbourne Victory came back. It was a bit of a... To, to Suku Sakia, uh, I believe he's a... Um, cleans dishes in a restaurant uh, for his day job uh, whilst living out here in Australia. Scored a, a fantastic double. Then Kenny Athew... Uh, who made his name in this competition, funnily enough, with Heidelberg uh, last season, scored a double. And then very, very late on, Nathan Milgate uh, scored a fantastic header off a free kick. Now, the question that I have for you, Ollie, and um, obviously, uh, as you've said before, that um, that you are slowly starting to, to dig deeper and deeper into your knowledge within the Australian game and looking at it more closely, especially this MPL setup, as there's... A lot of talk, you know, it's still kind of in the background, people pushing for this pro- promotion relegation. And obviously the introduction of two new clubs in the new future. But uh, Sam Clayton, our old friend, we've had Sam on before. And Sam was actually out there at Leichhardt last night. And Sam had a question for for us, and I'll, I'll definitely get your thoughts first. And uh, So Sam said this, With more FFA Cup upsets, cup sets should we say, and closer games, we'd love to know uh, what you think. Um in regards to the closing of the gap between the A-League and NPL sides, is it due to the A-League clubs getting worse or the NPL clubs getting better? Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting question. And it, I guess it's hard to exactly pinpoint, you know, which of the which of the two it is. Maybe it's a combination of both. But I guess um, <clears throat> looking at this competition as a whole, um, you know, it adds another level of excitement to, to the Australian game, getting, you know, the, the different leagues together in, in this type of competition it's and the results like this is what the cup's about you know it's it's a chance for you know 11 men versus 11 men on a football pitch and and you know the the, the best thing about football is that you know 
as much of as an advantage that Melbourne Victory would have had over Arpia, um, it being the quality of player that they have, um, they are still at the end of the day human beings playing against each other, and and upsets can happen. Um, yep. You know, but I guess the odd upset here and there um, is exactly what you want for for this type of competition. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but so, but obviously, if if the MPL teams are beating the A League teams, I'd say at a rate at more than twenty percent of the time, then then there's obviously a, a bigger lying issue within the A League clubs, or or the MPL have found some fantastic system that then they they've cracked the football code essentially, um, but but all in all, you know, it, as a whole, it gives great exposure to 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 this competition um, and a chance for the for the MPL players to make their mark. Um, prove their worth on on the big stage and, and show what they've got it um, against the you know top level cl- clubs in you know the highest league in this country. Um, so yeah, the odd cup set is is exactly what you want to see. Um, but yeah, if if it, it starts happening too often, um, then then there's there's then there's some issues that that probably need to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess looking at that now, um, you know, as I said, this is probably the biggest scalp. Um, that we've that we've ever seen in the FFA Cup. It is only a young competition, but nonetheless. But I guess looking at it now, let's just say, Ollie, let's just say you're the CEO of the FFA, okay? There's been this growing conversation about promotion relegation and maybe something that has possibly led to, you know, talking that you are right now the, the, the CEO of the FFA, you know, this potential growing conversation has led to um, you know the introduction of bringing in, in, in to, uh, two new clubs. Now, you watched this game last night. You've seen this MPL side upside, uh, upset. Sorry, upside, upset your your best team. Is this? Are you happy with the result in terms of the promotion for the strength of the game, or do you fear that this brings on more of the conversation about this promotion relegation? Well, where do you sit? That's what I want. To, that's what I want to. Know. That's what I want to know for you. Is 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 it a is this a, a good image for the game or a negative one for you? I mean, as a football fan, it's it's a it's a good image. It's what yeah. you want to see. I mean, obviously, if you're not a Melbourne Victory fan, you this is, this result's fantastic for everyone for everyone else, and and it's exciting to see what the youth is able to bring. In this country, um, and and you're seeing you know one of the the bigger clubs topple. Um, but yeah, if it's happening too often, then then you've got an issue. As I said before, uh, <clears throat> where it sits with the the promotion relegation thing with me, you know I I think it's a a real positive for the game to create you know more competition, something bigger to play for for the other MPL teams, and and a new and a different avenue. For for them, you know, a lot of these MPL players might feel that there's a block, um, you know, somewhere between the MPL and the A League in terms of their development and, and progressing into the the top tier of Australian football. So having an, a a promotion relegation type thing gives them gives them a chance to to push for something higher and 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 reach the the highest quality of graded football in in this country. I think. <clears throat> I think it's an, an overall positive thing for, for the A-League. Um, I think they should be open to trying um, new formats and, and seeing what it will bring. Um, but I guess for me, um, I, I'd be in favour in something like it. And um, you know, Do you think differently or, or how does this sit with you? Yeah, I guess... Um, yeah, it is, it's like a... It's an interesting conversation because obviously I'm sure that they don't want more people, you know using this as a fuel to their fire for promotion relegation. But uh, I think that regardless, of not even talking about promotion relegation, I guess for me, for me, this is, a, I was, you know, ties aside, regardless, you know, I'll probably go and watch uh, Victory play a few times this season, you know, obviously with Cascade uh, Honda being there. But I think that uh, for me, and I know that, I know that uh, Steph would have said the same thing, Steph, that uh, this is a, I think this is a massive positive in terms of what you were saying as well. In terms of showcase, these players showcasing their talent and that they can play. I mean, Sakia scored a double. I think he more than proved he can play, you know, uh, against 
you know, professional football players on a weekly basis. But, you know, there was plenty of players out there that played well, and I think that's that's the fantastic thing about this competition is that, you know, there's a very good chance that for most of these RP Leichhardt players, they'll never get... They, they may not get this chance ever again to play against an A-League side on the national stage. I mean, this was on, you know, Channel 503, you know, Fox Sports' prime channel. You know, this was for everyone to see. And I think that in terms of just, just giving the NPL players... The, you know, shining the light on them and them being able to prove that they can play at this level uh, comes for me as the massive positive. I'm not really, I, I'm not looking, I'm not going to look into the whole promotion relegation, uh, so on and so forth. But yeah, I just think overall, and you know, because I mean, we watched that game, uh, I watched that game last night, and you know, I'm looking at the stats here. I mean, Vic, Melbourne Victory had 74% possession, they had 403 more passes. Uh, you know they were they were on top in in most areas in terms of stats. Mm. I mean, sixteen shots. Uh, it's funny. Arpi had three shots. Uh, Arpi had eleven shots, three shots on target, and uh, to Melbourne Victory's uh, sixteen shots uh, to six on target. But look, just looking at the stats there, you know, it's uh, it's something that um, our friend Matthew Vidiello has um, mentioned before, and it's something that I I hadn't looked at. You know, a few times I hadn't looked at really in terms of games in the past, and that is that sometimes a team can have be having all the possession, and you know, all all the stats are in their favour, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're on top mm. in the game. And in this game, for for good periods of this game, Apia were on top, and Apia were the better team, and mm. that's why they've come away. As their captain last night, uh, Franco Parisi, I believe it is, he said to Fox Sports, he said, you know, we wanted this more, and we deserved it. In the end of the day, and, and they did. No disrespect to Melbourne Victory, uh, but Arpia deserved this bet more because they played like it. And um, Melbourne Victory at the end of the season last year, if they'd come and play like they did then, today they probably would have blown Arpia off the park, but they didn't want it and they didn't play well enough and Arpia at the end of the day deserved to be uh, to, to qualify through to the next round. So, I mean, it's a massive achievement for the club. Uh, you know, it does bring great finances into the club to help them keep uh, running and doing what they do. And yep. that is being a powerhouse within the NPL football system. So I'm sure along with the other NPL sides that are through now, I think, you know, everyone's hoping, you know, I think we're just waiting for the year that an NPL side goes really deep and, you know, end or to the final. I think that would be an, an incredible achievement. Uh, Do you think that's club. when the promotion or relegation... Um, conversations will will be Definitely. had, or, yeah, do, or do you think it's, it'll heat up? In terms, yeah, of, in terms up. of where the game is in this country, is it still early days for 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 oh, those types yep. of of chats to happen at the top end now? Oh yeah, I oh, know. I think it. I think it'll definitely heat up because I mean, you know, an NPL team, no disrespect, probably doesn't have any right to be playing in an FFA Cup final. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of. I mean, Arpia would have beaten. Arpia would have probably would have. You know, they probably would have wiped, not wiped, they would have beaten the Mariners. They would have beaten Wellington. Mm. Uh, there's a few teams in the A-League that they would have given a real going to. Same as Heidelberg. Heidelberg beat Perth last year. Deserved to beat them. There's been a few teams, I forgot their name, up in Brisbane. Uh, they beat Adelaide. When Adelaide were the champions. Completely deserved. So, um, yeah, I think if oh, if an NPL team was to go, like semi-finals even, it'd start to, the mur- the rumours, like the, the rumours, the murmurs would come, uh, would, would come back and you, you'd, you definitely hear that talk grow. Oh, that 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 talk would definitely uh, gain a bit of momentum, that's for sure. But uh, look, there we, we do have a few more match days of the quarterfinals. Uh, sorry, the quarterfinals, the round of sixteen to go through. So there'll be more discussion, especially if more MPL sides keep getting through. But uh, mate, for now we will push on, and mm. we will look at La Liga. Okay, now we've had a little bit of a look at La Liga this season, but I guess the biggest news out of La Liga only you know we're only uh, a week into the season, and. This is the whole saga around the uh, Spanish FA. Uh, sorry, the, the yeah the uh, La Liga. That is sorry, uh, mm. signing a contract with a US law firm uh, that is stating that that games this season will be played a game, oh, multiple games. I think a handful of games or a game will be. I think it is a, a handful of games will be played uh, in the US, and this has caused massive uproar because they didn't. Uh, they didn't talk to anyone, any of the clubs prior to doing this. They just did it, and mm. all. Nor did they speak to the the Spanish FA, I believe, either. Yes, no, they didn't. So they've just gone and done it, and obviously it stirred the pot uh, incredibly. 
and we've just only in the last 24 hours, which I believe this uh, story came out yesterday, so if my maths is correct, this would be happening today, and that is that all 20 captains uh, of the La Liga, uh, of the La Liga sides um, will be gathering to put forward their argument against the issue. And, I mean, for me, this doesn't, I, I guess, look, before I, I'll get your thoughts, Oli, but just quickly before I really get into mine, I, I just, I, I guess the biggest thing is that, you know, the, when you look at the La Liga, it's different to, obviously it's different to the Premier League and the Italian and the City R and the, in terms of the style of play. But I think that the Spanish League is just renowned for its, like, its culture and its heritage and its flair and its colour. And, you know, I just think that going to the States and nothing, and, and the, the MLS is, is a fantastic league, but I think taking it over to America, it's, I know we're in a commercial world, but and, and it is a commercial league, the La Liga, right now. But it just becomes a bit tacky, and I think it takes mm. away from that, from that soul of Spanish football. But uh, yeah, what 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 do you see, or do you see anything right with it? Do you see any? Or do, you, do you have any positives or negatives? Uh, where do you sit with it? I, I guess the majority of my thoughts surrounding this are negative, and it doesn't really sit that well with me. But at the same time, I get it, and I understand, and and I I see where they want to go with it. I guess, yeah, you're right. You know, you touched on the, the culture thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of history around the Spanish football. Um, and, you know, the fans, you know, obviously they live, breathe and, and bleed football in, in Spain over there. And, you know, obviously taking out a significant game from their competition and, and moving it abroad um, restricts the ability for the for the true fans who pay their season tickets week in week out to be able to to attend those games and support support in full. Um, so you're 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 smothering them and, and taking the power back away from them, and and they play a significant contribution in, in the club's earnings as well. So it, it doesn't seem fair to them. Um, I, I guess playing a cup like a game here or there in in the US is a very short term focus. Um, you know, it's it'll it'll grab the hype for a week. Who people, you know, the Americans who will come down to watch Messi play in in the MetLife Stadium or wherever they hold it, um, and then he's gone again. So then the fans lose interest. So I think, t- and I get so that I th- I believe there was a man named um, Charlie Stilitano. He he was the man that's the you know he's the forefront um, runner that's that's implementing this over in the United States. Um, and he's he's come out and said that you know he he do, he's he does has never had a chance. He's a he's a football fan as well, um, and and understands that this game is a is a global game. And he his point of view was you know there's a huge Spanish market over here with all the Italian not sorry the Spanish um, speaking population, and it gives them a chance to be able to demonstrate their commitment and and how. Um, passionate they are for the game and, and why does why do they have to not be able to watch the team that they love just because they don't live in the city um, but but again I think it's I think it's up to us you know we fall in love with the culture of the club I mean even though mm. a lot of us have never been there or don't go there often but that resonates through the club's actions and, and the way that they conduct themselves and and their culture is buried in the club and I think foreigners it's it's up to us to make the pilgrimage over there to take in that type of culture um and 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 feel what it's about but but i get where they're coming from it's a global game you know the you know there's there's a lot of third-party benefits in it as well so which sort of you know the the la liga doesn't want to turn down that type of money um and then the clubs just sort of have to sit back and 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 let it happen, I guess. Um, but you know the players as well. It's it's quite confusing and and stressful on their bodies as well. Um, takes away from their focus, having to travel back and forth all those thousands of miles. Um, but you know the biggest concern is that you know the deals benefit these third parties, and, and it doesn't have the the game's best interests at heart. And you know that, that home that home and away traveling atmosphere. Um, you know it's it's just not going to be not going to be there anymore that and and the the local fans deserve that i think yeah for sure well i guess uh you know you've you've covered most of what i was going to say but you actually touched on something when you said that you know the commercial side and everything else well then then what's the whole point of this pre-season tournament this international champions cup where they all go over there and play and you know they get to see them 
play then. I understand yes, they're not playing for three points, mm. but like. But you also have a, a lot of the best players have just come back from a World Cup, so you're not going to get the bums on seats. Oh, but no, but I mean, like, no, I'm not just talking about this year. But you know, over the last four, five, six years, they've been going. You know, these big teams have been going to America uh, in the preseason, and it's just, it's, it's. But like, it, and know, that's, I think that's the point of it is to bring that extra level of hype because it because the points matter because every single you know their best the best player in every position is going to be playing on the pitch it's going to be competitive they're going to be going for it there's going to be yeah. more atmosphere like no yeah, one's there I understand to just saying that I, yeah you know, no, it's, I, you know it's I can, more I, like you know when when liverpool come here you're turning up just to be able to see the players in the flesh yeah oh mate mate hey, rather mate. than i mean it, there's so much there's a whole another level of of crowd support when when they turn oh, up mate mate that's exactly why I refused to watch Liverpool when they came here and then I waited for mm. my first time was last year to make the pilgrimage and uh, it was the best decision that I've ever made mm. and that's what like at the same time that's another thing if, if, there's, if there's kids in the States that you know or haven't seen Messi play or they haven't seen Barcelona play or you know I understand the financial restrictions but you know like I I managed to find a way and I'm <laughs> I'm broke three quarters of the year but you mm. know like at the same time they're going to get ripped off as well yeah, it's great that they're there, but it's not going to be the same as trust me, mate. It's not. It's not the same as uh, sitting in the the Mastella Stadium and you know watching Valencia play in you know probably one of the most vertical stadiums in the world with a bunch of nutcase fans. You're just not going to get that in the states. That's just yeah. Not but who I, th- I think they. Americans I think everyone. Are. I think everyone realizes that, but it's it's more of a chance to see your play your team play in your backyard at the top level. Like, this is the best you're going to get without actually going there. Yeah, I, I, mate, no, mate, Ollie, Ollie, I completely understand what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, and I think that the, the La Ligas would almost be ripping themselves off as well because, like, they're already making a stupid amount of money in this league, okay? This is only going to cause negative backlash. It already has. Mm-hmm. And if the players are going to, uh, and if the players are already saying no, well, then... You know, then if the players are saying no, right, and they're saying, you know, three points, we want to say, play, you know, the hype and everything, well, it's not going to be much hype and it's not going to be much of a game if you've got 22 blokes out on the field that don't really want to, that don't even want to be there. Yeah, but if push comes to shove and the deal goes through and they know they're going to have to, they they will play for those points. Mm. Obviously, they'll play, but. Exactly. I just reckon. Then, I, I reckon it's, it's a terrible idea. For the La Liga. I reckon it's it's complete. It's not success for the Liga. That 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 paints a terrible picture for La Liga. Yeah, yeah. It takes away from everything that that La Liga is, and that it, it like almost stands for like the passion, the emotion. You're just not going to get that in the states. Not just respect to America, it's like probably one, of the, probably the biggest sporting country in the world. But in terms of that sort of that sort of support and the type of support, hmm. that that would be probably just be painting. A terrible yeah. picture. I get. You reckon, I get. Where you, reckon, s- you reckon you're telling me that uh, what would I don't know? Uh, do you reckon Wolves, who have just been promoted, would throw up a game uh, or, or Fulham? You know, just back in the Premier League, Craven Cottage, one of like the homes of football in England, a phenomenal football stadium. Do you reckon they'd throw up that to go and play in Kansas City? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with you that all the players yeah, are not well, in favour yeah. of this. I'd, yeah. Look, I I get where Stilatano is coming from, saying you know there's a huge, you know, huge growing interest in in football in the states, but none of these deals would be happening if there wasn't a, a huge financial incentive behind it all. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Ah, and I and I get that. Yeah, so which makes you question. Then, you know, and then it makes you question the legit, like it almost like it questions the legitimacy, but like it just it just becomes tacky. Yeah, it's, it's very tacky. tacky. And yeah, tacky. it's taking away from the culture of yeah, you know, exactly. the different leagues and, and and the different styles of play and, and everything that comes with, you know, respect. Everything leagues. that makes the Spanish La Liga so unique. And, you know, but anyway, look, I'm sure we're going to hear a whole lot more about it uh, in the coming days and weeks uh, when, they, when the final decision uh, comes to the forefront. So... Look before we get uh, before we jump into the Premier League, um, I just want to talk about Scotland quickly, Ollie. Yeah. Now, um, only recently we've seen that Celtic have, uh, I say it again, but 
you know, they haven't really had much success over in the last 10 years in the Champions League and beyond, and they've just missed out again on Champions League football for another season, so they've fallen into Europa League qualifications now. Mm-hmm. And the question that I have for you, right, is this. So we've just seen Celtic fall, uh, will get knocked out by AK Athens, okay? Now, how long... Now that they're going to miss out on more Champions League football, okay, and as well, that 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 diminishes almost the strength of the Scottish League again. You know, it's almost seen like Celtic have won seven or eight in a row now, and it's just like it's almost like a full drawn conclusion. Okay, so all those that competitive competitive competitiveness of the Scottish League is it time that you know teams like Scotland and Rangers and you know a handful more that are, that are you know maybe the top four sides. Uh, in the Scottish League, follow suit like like we've seen with Wales, and have them fall into the Premier League, which would lift, you know, the quality of their team because they'd be playing in a far more competitive league. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it it could do them a world of good, but it you know, but there is a lot of strong foundations within those Scottish clubs. You know, their leagues have been around for for a long time, um, and and systems put in place that will take a lot. You know, to, to change, um, I th- I think it really could, but I, I do feel that there are too many screws in place, and it, and there'd be too much uproar. But obviously, they could. Oh, of they... course. I oh, sorry, I, I should have said I was just talking from like a well, it has been spoken about, but I guess more of like a meta- in, from a metaphorical uh, point of view. Sorry. Yeah. I look, I, I, I think. Yeah. Look, I think I think it would be um, great for both teams. I mean, obviously, the funding that that the Scottish League would get. Um, from from the Premier League TV deals, um, as well as yeah, you said lifting the quality, um, the, the pool of players that they'll be able to have, and it'll be a real test to see how how you know Celtic have won eight or nine in a row, but how would they come up against you know a mid bottom bottom um, table Premier League team? Um, you know, are, are are Celtic really that good? Could they finish mid to to the higher end of the table? Um, or, or do they do they get relegated from the from the English league? Which would be oh, that which would send the Scottish Premier League backwards uh, by about a decade, I think. Um, mm. I think no, it's just, just some, yeah. I think Sorry, it's just too much of a risk for them at the moment. I think they're they're comfortable where they are. They get the attendances that they want. Um, it's they're they're in their own little um, box. I think the the Scottish. You know, <laughs> Pride themselves on that, you know, being independent from the from yeah, the UK, course, even though they're course. not. But they they'd like to think that they are. So, anything to solidify that, they'll they'll stick by. Yeah, for sure, they are a very proud people. The uh, the Scottish, but no, it was just something that that just just quickly. I just I I I'd seen you know in the last week, and I just wanted to get your your opinions quickly because it has been like I said, you know, it has been spoken about before, and I think that if Celtic just keep winning the league. Mm. Like again, and again something's got to something's got to change. I mean, it's so it's like something's got to give, you know. And you, you think like bloody hell, um, you know how? Yeah, how it just creates times, a, how many time, a stupid how many times, monopoly. I mean, how many a lot of the other bigger player, leagues have have that type of monopoly, but exactly, eight or like nine many, in a row is is outrageous. So, like I mean, look times, at the PSG. It looks like PSG are heading that way as well. I mean, where do you draw the line in in league one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Juventus has won like the last what, seven, eight, seven, eight in a row as well. Like it's just, um, it's like how many times? But like for Scotland, more or less, how many times? You know, can a Celtic player get up and at them for Saint Mirren away, or Hamilton at home, mm. or um, you know, just you know after they're just battering teams consistently, and their next best bet Rangers, they're still spanking at the moment as well yeah. um, but you know could be different they still haven't lost the game yet under Gerrard and uh, Celtic actually so uh, lost their first game of the season watch but, uh, this which, space then yeah well exactly watch this space well my friend it is now time to talk Premier League ah cool so what's on the uh, what's on the Premier League agenda well tonight uh, we're about to be joined in no less than 20 seconds, our man Bala. We're going to be looking at uh, what's, uh, what's 
annoying or pissing off uh, Bilal this week. Uh, I know he's got something close to his heart that is that is rather frustrating for himself. And then I know that there's something you want to talk about in regards to Manchester City. And we had one great uh, fan question from a Jonathan Fasker that we'll get into. Uh, but now, well, we're joined here now with our man Bilal. Bilal, how are you? Yeah, good, good. What's going on, boys? Don't you just love the Premier League? Don't we ever. Don't we ever. Don't we love the Premier League, mate? It's been a, it's been a great start already, that's for sure. Uh, but I know that... Uh, I know that what you know bringing you on tonight. I know that when I, I chatted to you earlier in the week, I think I think the uh, the thread of messages was when are we recording? I have something I need to get off my chest. Honestly, so honestly, mate, I just want to get stuck ado, in. The floor yeah. is yours. <laughs> I'm just gonna get stuck in, boys. <laughs> Go for it, mate. Go for it. That's what we're here for. All right. So um, where do I start? Look, two weeks in, and uh, United's already out of the title race. It's been uh, what. Surely, surely some kind of personal best. I mean... <laughs> That's huge. You reckon, they're, you reckon they're already we've, done? Hey, we've had some outrageous oh, calls on this show. Uh, that That's is true. Be. But you know what? To be fair, I think United were out of the title race before the season even started, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> the, way, the, way, the way Mourinho was speaking, it was done before it even started. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's not even... It's not even like... It's, it's not even the fact that we lost. It's the fact that we lo- we looked even probably even worse last week when we won, which is which was um it's just it's despicable like the way you the way you park the bus after scoring one goal against Leicester at home and I know I know I already spoke about this last week but yeah. honestly it's ridiculous and then you go out and you lose a game like that to Brighton honestly last week or, sorry last year I thought Brighton was just the, a fancy suburb in Melbourne. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's a side that's beating United on their own turf. Like, oh man, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh. Like, all right, look, I'll 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 try to articulate. I'll try to articulate a little better than I have been. All I'll say is the fact that um the fact mm-hmm. that Jose Mourinho was already defeated before the season is is um is probably the is probably the thing that kills my confidence now and. Honestly, he's normally a fairly negative guy, but when you take into account that he wasn't um and look, I'm in no way excusing him, right? But when you take into account the the fact that he didn't get his his transfer signings, which his transfer target, sorry, which he um which he was pretty vocal about, whether you agree with how vocal he was publicly or not, he was vocal about that. Um and and he was forced into a corner by by Woodward who clearly doesn't know his his uh his nose from his elbow. <laughs> And and you you end up with a situation where he's forced to play two centre halves who are lacking confidence and basically know that they don't have the manager's backing. And on top of all of that, you you must say it's a it's a damning indictment when Woodward doesn't give uh, Mourinho his his players because United's not a, a club that's short on money. United's not a club that's uh, you know that's scratching you know scratching around trying to look under the under the sofa for for a bit of extra change you know this, this sure. is one of the richest clubs in the world they can they could easily have afforded Yeri Mina you telling me that Everton are going to beat United to Yeri Mina if we really actually yeah. if we really wanted to go for him the fact of the matter is that Woodward stopped backing Mourinho and that's a damning indictment on not just the situation of Mourinho's job but the situation of the club because Woodward can't just go around backing a manager one season and then not backing them the next season no matter who it is no matter no matter how much of a of a grouch that that manager is you know cuz i'm not a, i'm not a fan of Mourinho and and i've publicly you know said that i'm not a fan of his football but if he's going to get if he's going to get results he has to be given the resources and i understand that Bayern and Lindelof uh, are signings that he made but you know he's he's not the first manager to sign someone and you know the signing not doesn't work out it happens, and normally when a, when a chairman backs their manager, the the club ends up with a with a replacement. You can sell him the lot. You know, he might make a bit of a loss. Sell him. You know, Bailly is normally a good centre half, but he's not. Uh, sorry, he's not. He's not up to. He's not up to. Is he going to win the Premier League? Level. I think it was. Um, yeah, is Bailly? Gary is Neville Ga- exactly said right. so. I think it was exactly Gary, right. Exactly right. Gary or Phil? Yeah. yeah. Said that that back line isn't 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 exactly going right. to win the Premier League. Is, exactly right. Is a back line. Where Ashley Young, I know he's a makeshift right back, but he's only filling in for Antonio Valencia, who's who's just as old and hasn't beaten a man, quite frankly, in about two years. Mm-hmm. And um, and is that is that backline really gonna gonna win a Premier League? Like, you have to look at what are your objectives for the season. 
you know, if you're gonna, for example, if you're if you're rowing across across a a river and you're in a and you're in a you're in a speedboat with not enough petrol, you're definitely not gonna get to the other side. Exactly, mate. You know, you're. What are your ambitions? Are your ambitions to go halfway? Are your ambitions to finish in the top four? Or, or are your ambitions, as they should be, as Manchester United, to go and challenge for that league title? I don't say it's over because we're three points behind City and Liverpool now and, and Chelsea and, and Spurs. I say it because, honestly, we had no ambition, no drive from the start mm. of the season. I went into this season without really much much hope. You know, a, a bit of, you know... Uh, a bit of a bit of a prayer, but not much hope at all. And yeah, on, honestly, a loss like that and a win, a win with a whimper the week before. Honestly, if that game had gone on, I guess I said if that game had gone on for five or ten minutes longer, we would have drawn or lost that game. Because mm-hmm. we honestly started declining from the 80th minute of last week, and this week the decline just continued, and it never peaked. Honestly, never inclined whatsoever. That Lukaku goal was against the run of play. <laughs> Manchester United scoring against Brighton against the run of play. Come on, man. Yeah. Bilal, I, I wanted to, to get your thoughts me. on something, because like, I, I was going to sort of contrast the differences to where say, your rivals... Oli, are, this might uh, work well. Yeah, I was just, so I was just going to say, uh, Bilal, I was going to pass over to Oli, because he probably has a great leading question here for you about this. So, uh, sorry to cut you off yeah. there, Oli. No, 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 that's all right. Yeah, well, I guess my thoughts will... Um, I guess two two parts to it. You know, looking at City across the park, they're obviously flying, and they're they're well and truly the biggest Premier League powerhouse there is now. They're pretty much what you guys were, you know, five five or six years ago. You know, obviously it all sort of unraveled for United when Fergie left, and and they went through some horrible periods with David Moyes and and Louis Van Gaal. Now, I guess some would say that the end of last season was the the best success they've had post Fergie. But now that there's there's this new, you know, come the new season, there's this new era of negativity that's just infiltrating that United camp there. What, you know, does it is is it actually growth since Fergie, you know, since Fergie left or since David Moyes, or is it just more of the same repetitive cycle of, of you know, United signing big money players that gets them through here and there, and, and then it all sort of crumbles long-term down the track with the manager. You know, I think we're into Mourinho's third season here. Where is this distinct gap and why is it happening between City? Obviously, you know, they've employed Pep Guardiola. He's brought in a, a positive, you know, attacking type of football system that United used to be, you know, branded upon as well. And, and they've now lost that. Where do you think this huge distinct gap is between you and City, and how do you get back to being, you know, the Premier League giants again? Yeah, so it's. I think it's a two-part answer. I think uh, the first, the first part of your question, uh, referring to has there been any progress? I believe that there has been progress because um, you can't forget that our first season under under Moyes, we finished seventh, um, and we had a, a couple of very very shaky seasons under uh, Louis Van Gaal. But um, we're currently actually discussing, you know even thinking about the Premier League title, which I know for many people like myself who grew up watching Manchester United, um, we think it's a given, but it really isn't. Because um, we've had a rough, a very, very rough transitional period. And it's not just for the players um, who've, so, who've suddenly had to you know, deal with the, with, with the new manager. It's, it, it's, it was hierarchical. It was a hierarchy, really, at Manchester United, led by Sir Alex Ferguson. And um, he was the manager, but he was also... You know, he was also acting like like the chairman. You know, like the director of football, like the president. Because mm. this guy was the club. He was he was the father, the the godfather, uh, if if you'd like, of the club. Because everything ran through him. Much and like a, a sudden, much like got... a Wenger at um, Arsenal. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And whereas Arsenal brought in a director of football while Wenger was there, we didn't have any uh, any steps. Or we didn't take any steps uh, towards doing something like that because Ferguson obviously went out on his own and um and he and he wasn't pushed in any way so we never actually saw it coming the club never saw it coming, um, so all of a sudden you you're found with Ed Woodward's all of a sudden you know in the spotlight like before before Ferguson left I'd never heard of Ed Woodward but all of a sudden he's in the spotlight who's Ed Woodward gonna sign I'm like who's Ed Woodward why is he signing players. You know, Ferguson was making all the signings. Why isn't you know why isn't Moyes being being backed with all all these signings? All of a sudden, it's Woodward's decision. Woodward's call, and if you look, take a look at Woodward's background. He's got a he's got a background in marketing and business and 
accounting. You know, th- this guy's background is numbers. He, he he's <laughs> basically he sells jerseys. You know, he markets he markets the club. His his job was never to to make transfers or to approve transfers or to you know all he does is provide the financial backing. And now he's in a position where the spot spotlight's on him. Um, because Manchester United's hierarchy has been disturbed, and there's a there's a whole now they're, they're talking about a restructure where they're they're thinking about bringing in a a director of football or or a position similar to that uh, to watch over not just Mourinho but obviously the the rest of the now you're talking about a women's team that's been introduced and and the obviously youth teams and and the academy so that's a that's a massive you know that's a massive hierarchical issue and the second part of your question where how how has the gap become so far and wide honestly the simple answer is just they've made the right managerial appointments uh ferguson obviously has set a bar that no one will reach in in um in the 26 years he was at manchester united but you've got people like pep guardiola who's who's recently signed the contract extension and i believe jürgen klopp's done the same thing these are long-term projects and i've never actually in the last few years sat down and and seeing Manchester United planning long term with their with their current manager, it's it's always been a short term project. You know, short term uh, get Van Gaal in so Geeks can take over, or short term get Mourinho in so you know Carrick can eventually take over after five six years. But then you've you've never actually we've never actually had a system um, so far post Ferguson where we've where we've actually had some stability at the club. It's it hasn't. If you know what I mean, we haven't actually, and and not just and not just that, but we haven't actually made the right appointment. Uh, where the fans have, where the fans have actually, uh, you honestly, you're not gonna find the the United way as as you know as you'd say, um, where Ferguson's era is glorified as attacking football. And honestly, I watched I watched the games in full, and and I didn't watch and I didn't watch highlight videos like a lot of a lot of people would have. Um, Ferguson's Ferguson's era wasn't all the glitz and glamour that it's made out to be. Sometimes we dug in deep. There were games against Barcelona in in two thousand nine and and in um and in the years around that. I remember the two thousand and eleven Champions League final where we tried to cling on for dear life unsuccessfully, and this was when Ferguson was in charge. We didn't always play all this um you know Jogo Bonito this beautiful game that people people um always associate with United. Well, I'll can I just and... ask you there. Yeah. Do you think that's because, like you said, they weren't playing the greatest football? Okay. Maybe, Oli, you can mm. give your thoughts. I know me and Oli could definitely give our thoughts in terms of uh, the shaky managers that Liverpool have had in the past. But uh, yeah. do you think that, like you said, they weren't even playing, at times, great football? But do you think that comes back to they were playing, they, they, they were representing a manager that they, that they were willing to, that they were willing to hang on for? Oh no doubt, no doubt in my mind, it was and it was effective football. I'd say that it was effective football with a hint of glamour, and that's that's the part that Mourinho does not get. I've look, I've, I haven't personally spoken to anyone who's obviously who knows Mourinho, but I've I've heard from all reports, um, all journals who've who've been in a, in and around the club say or or in and around Mourinho uh, at um at Chelsea or at um at Real Madrid Inter Milan. Uh, or th- any of those jobs say that he doesn't coach attacking play. You look at Jurgen Klopp. You look at um at Pep Guardiola. You even look at uh Pochettino, and you you can just tell you know what what they're trying to do going forward. But you watch a United game, and and I actually dare you to watch a United game in full because it can be painful, and I, and I watch it out of loyalty more than anything else. Um, it's it's painful because there's there's no direction. It's honestly. Uh, at times, or the majority of times, like eleven strangers who are who are good at football coming on to coming coming to the park, and uh playing eleven aside and and you know just trying to gel together, it's like playing with a team with with thirty chemistry on FIFA. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how little you know the uh, how little cohesion there is between the players. Paul Pogba and Romelu Lukaku, who I know are good friends off the off the field, just don't seem to know who who they are. Well, when they when they step onto onto the pitch at Old Trafford or or at or at away games, it's just it's ridiculous because these are world class players. We've seen them at the World Cup. We've seen Lukaku and how and how dynamic he is for Belgium. You know how much it excited me watching watching Lukaku for Belgium, yeah. thinking he's going to bring this form to United. He was dynamic, and I know he didn't score after the after the group stage, but he was dynamic in in, in all his all his plays. 
I remember that run. I remember that dummy he gave. You know, he he was he was, he was on. on top of his game. Yeah, he, yeah was he was on top of his game. And I was excited thinking that he's going to bring this to United. But we have and, and we have players of the talent of of Dries Mertens. Maybe not of the talent of Eden Hazard, but we have players of the talent of Dries Mertens of of um, you know Witzel who he was playing with at, at Belgium and, and doing so well. We definitely have players of the talent of Yannick Carrasco. You know, this United team is a talented side. Yeah, but then it's you, just not playing. But then, you, but then you look at... Yeah, but then you look at the attacking style and it's non-existent. It is completely non-existent. But it's yeah, not... I mean, it's, it's not... A, attacking football has never been Mourinho's style. I, I just think... I've always thought this with United that Mourinho is the fundamental problem. I mean, look at... I'm not saying he's a terrible manager. He just doesn't fit the brand of United. I mean, you look at what he did at Chelsea, what he did at Porto... <laughs> That he fits those types of systems, and he can. He's yep. he's not a short-term manager, but he can bring quick success by implementing his his strategies. Um, but I guess you know his man management skills are probably not there. Hence why he doesn't you know over the long term he didn't get the best the out of Eden is, Hazard, or he lose you know he's quick yep. to blame his players. Whereas you look at City, you know. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the doc- documentary that came out uh, about Pep Guardiola and City and what they did last season, yet, but yeah. it shows like insights into Pep's management style and how he understands each individual player and he knows how to get the best out of them and he'll defend his players, at, you know, whatever it takes in in the press conferences. Whereas Jose fits like a uses like a one size fits all. If you don't fit Jose's um, style, then then you're out. It doesn't matter if you're Paul Pogba yeah. or your or your Luke Shaw, you know, and and he'll he'll let you know in the public eye it, it just there's such a, a different style and contrast between the two the two clubs hence why i thought it might be a, a good talking point today but you know i mean why is it that that jose does criticize his players and and just and look just for one last every thing excuse on... under the under the sun yeah just one last thing on that jose Mourinho as a manager has deteriorated over the years he has um He's, he's gotten to a point where I think he's, he's, he's sick of it. I honestly think he's sick of it. I don't think he enjoys management anymore. Because when, when he was first... Um, when, when he first burst onto the scene in, in England, in the Premier League, he was loved by, by the Chelsea players. The Chelsea players adored him. He, they came out publicly even after he left. Even, um, you know, Frank Lampard and, and these players, who were some of the most respected players at Chelsea... After after the stint with Mourinho ended, came out and, and said great things about him. They said even if he was sometimes prickly in the media and seemed arrogant and you know seemed exuberant, he always defended them and he always backed them and he always um when they when they spoke you know in private always said you know constructive constructive things to them. If if there was criticism, it was constructive. But it's gotten to a point where you just don't believe that's true anymore. It's and, sour. It's just or, sour. And, isn't yeah, it, the way, it's yeah. just it's honestly sour. Like. The other day, he after the game, he he said, um, oh, well, the journalist asked him um, about the performance of the players, and he said, uh, no, you shouldn't ask me because when when I criticize my players, you guys don't like it, and then I get criticized. Last season, when he was, uh, no one asked him what he thought of Luke Shaw. No one asked him, yeah. you know, what do you? No one, no one asked him about about a lot of these things that he that he gave his views about. You know, he doesn't need to be provoked. When he wants to talk about something, he will talk about it. And he he doesn't hold his tongue. He doesn't, um, you know, he doesn't really care uh, how his plays will be affected. I'll give you another example. Many people might not have seen this. I was watching the, the pregame show before the United game. And um, he was speaking about Anthony Martial. And the, the reporter asked him, he asked him, uh, "What did, what did Martial do? Did he, did he catch a eye during training? You know, did he, did he do something to earn this place, earn his place?" And he said, "Well, no, not really. Alexis is, is out. Um, it's just like one or two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, Jesse is still a bit late. You know, he's not ready to start. And uh, Marcus, yeah, Lukaku, we don't know if he can, if he can play ninety minutes. So we might need Marcus to come on. So we don't, we don't want to play both our strikers from the start. So, so yeah, Anthony will play." Yeah, and I'm thinking, come on, give the guy some credit. Surely he must have done something, or even if he hasn't, you can't just put put your player, you know, push a player under the bus like that. No. Say, you know, he was he was the only option. He was the last resort, because you you'd think, yeah, okay, maybe he's trying to motivate him or he's trying to do something. But Martial's not going to see that before the game. 
No, of course you know? not. That doesn't know. <laughs> that's that's for the public. Yeah. No, no, no player is going to watch the pre-match press conference. They, they don't have it on in their headphones. Got BBC Five Live on in their headphones while they while they're warming up. No, it's, but he would just, he would know he would know this. Uh, I guess in a way he would. Martial would know that uh, in terms of you know how. Uh, in, in terms of what he'd be feeling but, from but the coach he, in, in a training know, session, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not talking about that, before the game. Like I'm talking yeah. about in a training session, he would. You can you can feel. I'm sure you in anything, you work life in anything. You, you can always yeah. you can always feel. You know your gut instinct. You can feel when when you when yourself and a person aren't seeing eye to eye, or you know you're butting heads on something. You you get that feeling. So no, he wouldn't have seen it in in the press match. In the I uh, sorry the pregame uh, press match conference. That's for sure. Like you said, and I mean, look, it's 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 not great, but that's the thing; it, it doesn't paint a great picture for. But just for, look, for Mourinho why, himself. But why, why, why say it to the public? You know, because that's that's you because know, that's what, that's who that's I know I understand what you're trying to say. It's yeah, you know, what, why what paint Marciano's, that picture for himself? I think that what I think that in in recent times, Mourinho is almost like you said. It could you could be right below. You know, he could be. Maybe yeah. he's just getting to the end. He could be getting to the end of his managerial time, and it's not like Oli said. You know, you bring in what Oli said. The one size fits all. He could be like, I'm just going to say this. If the players react, and I get what I want of them, then I've done the right job. If not, well, then I'll find another club. But look, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a uh, an uh, you know, it, like you said, it, Mourinho wasn't always like this. You know, he he did yeah. used to you know be right behind his players. <laughs> That's for sure. But look, it is something, you know, we just, we, we've got to get moving uh, in for our time because I want to I quickly talk about this fan question. Look, I know it's something that's going to come up, you know, in the near future with Mourinho, especially Bilal if, uh, uh, if United continue this this start to their oh. campaign. So, oh, my yeah, goodness. So, we've got Spurs coming up. Oh, my yeah. God. So it could be... It could be... It could be tough times ahead. And look, I know, you know, look, oh, me and all... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... End of the line, the potentially. <laughs> exactly. That's the bus. That's the bus. Exactly. <laughs> from now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ollie, well, is there anything you want to talk about uh, in, in regards to that, or we'll, we'll, we'll jump onto this this fan question? Yeah, no, jump onto the fan question. We pretty much covered everything. Yeah, beauty. Well, uh, look, the the one question that came in uh, from Jonathan Fashka this week, uh, he sent he sent one in, and he wanted to know, and it is a great question, that I I guess in not not talking about title contenders. Okay, I, I'm. I, I, am I confident in saying that? Well, the question from John, Jonathan, Jonathan, sorry, was that has have your top four predictions changed at all? Now, I, I may be, I'm pretty confident in saying that we're we're both quite happy with you know a Liverpool one or two or Liverpool and you know and and uh, City being there. Ah, uh, yeah, no, um, my yeah. my top two hasn't changed for now. I yeah, think, so so I looking United, at the, I think so looking United at three and four. Fourth. Yeah, so so yeah, looking think... at three and four. Um, I mean, I said at the start of the season, I said Tottenham would be, I don't know, third or fourth. I said uh, Tottenham would be up there. Uh, they could possibly nick a nick, uh, second place, taking nothing away from Tottenham. And potentially, I don't know if United can turn things around. Or I think Chelsea, I, my, I've changed my views slightly uh, in terms of Chelsea. I think that Chelsea ha- uh, have, have shown in these first two weeks some good, some real, real nice passages of play and good periods of play to suggest been, that they could yeah. be there. Um, but yep. but for, uh, for yourself, boys, is there is there any changes? Ollie, I'll ask you first. Is there any changes at all for you there? Yeah, no, top two, not at all. Um, look, I think if I'm honest, I think I said Liverpool will will win it. I, it'll be it'll be neck and neck, you know. Between Who do you go for Ollie? Uh, I think I go for Crystal Palace. <laughs> no, I think it'll no, be neck no. and neck between Liverpool and City. Um, Liverpool showed that type of win that they they need to be able to grind out. You know, a tough, rigid, pallid Palace away. Um, you know, sitting deep, they they controlled. You know, a lot of the game, even though they didn't have the ball. You know, Liverpool really struggled to get anything past them. It was a lot of back and forth, but you know, they 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 were resilient and they grinded out and they and they took their moments um, and then killed the game off right at the end as well. Um, so that was a really professional performance from them. The the type of win that they. They need to um, start achieving more regularly rather than just battering, you know, uh, a poor old Watford at home. Um, so the, and that was a, that was a positive to take out, and then obviously City, City um, annihilating poor old Huddersfield. Um, you know, they, it just looks like they've just 
you know, carry Without Aaron Moy, the... how can we forget? Sorry, just quickly, I forget the birth of his son, Maximilian. Yes. I know Aaron, Aaron listens every week, religiously. Yes, he does. Uh, just, Congratulations, just like, Aaron. <laughs> just, like, just like Cristiano, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, uh, <laughs> they listen every single week, so... Uh, no, congratulations Pog- to Aaron. Pogba, of course. Oh, of course, of course. Pogba, how can we forget? Sorry, Oli, go on there. Yeah, no, thanks for that, fellas. Um, um, yeah, City <laughs> uh, are just going to carry on from, from what they did last season. So that would be those two. And then, yeah, I think I said Chelsea for, for third. They look like they're playing some, yeah, you're right, I suppose, some, some really nice football. I think they they seem to be playing a bit more expansive. So I think over time um, we will see them concede goals. You know, they were opened up a couple of times with... Um, Against Arsenal, Arsenal probably should have been in front, you know, four-two in that in that first half. Um, but I think that's just the uh, Sarri style of play. But so they will concede. Um, so I think there will be a period, you know, where they'll they'll drop or slump in form, but obviously have the quality to 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 get back up to the top where they where they expect and where they need to be. And Tot- Tottenham for fourth still. Um, I think their squads developed pretty well over the long term, even though they didn't add to it. They're all world-class players. Well, not all of them, but, you know, Harry Kane, Toby Alderweireld, Hugo Lloris. They have a really nice spine within their team and, and the depth as well. Um, and I think they'll they'll finish fourth as well with with Jose's United dropping out and Emery's got a long-term project on his hands. So I, I don't think they will see anything too exciting this season. Yeah, well, I guess we, we all said, well, I mean, the majority of people have said, you know, it'd be pretty harsh to expect, you know, a drastic turnaround in his first season because it looks like it. They, they are, they are, which I guess is a real positive thing for Arsenal fans is that it looks like they're trying to implement, much like Wenger, um, a project, uh, which which could take you know it, which could take you know, three or four years to really to get going. But um, below mate yourself, is, uh, is there any any changes at all for you? I'm trying to take bias out of it. Um... <laughs> It is tough, mate. Trust United, me, if me and Oli United, get going, United, yeah. Liverpool's the best, the greatest United, team in the world, and no one can touch them. I had, so. I had United. I had United third. Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull them out of the, out of the top four just yet. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my, with my four of City of Liverpool, United, Spurs. I think Chelsea will come very close. I've actually, I've actually been pretty impressed, like Oli, um, with with what I've seen so far. They've been. Jorginho's been a revelation, oh, mate. He's, he's hit the ground running. He's been disgusting. Absol- Smoke cigars out there, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> With Sari. He's, he's, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's had the, the time of his life. He's, yeah. The, penalty, the jump. Calm. The, even the, yeah, the jump. Exactly. Oh. oh, my goodness. Um, and he's actually pushed Kante out. I, I read about it in my match preview for the Daily Football Show last week. Just a quick plug. Um, <laughs> that he pushed Kante out to, you know, to the to the central to to the right center mid position. Uh, for all you FIFA players out there, he he's now you know playing that uh that box to box role where he's you know having to help out um the front three and also help out his fullback. So Kante's you know <laughs> we're seeing a lot more of him, a lot more of his running ability, and Jorginho's kind of just make made that place his own that that central defensive midfield role. Um, and he's he's just been bossing the play. So Chelsea have been showing me some good signs, but I I still think they'll fall just short. Um, I think Morata was made to look very quick by uh, Arsenal's um, Arsenal's very very slow backline. I mean, you can coach you can coach a defense to to be better, but you can't you can't coach speed into them. Yep. And I think Emery will realize very quickly that he can't play a high line with with this defense. He had. The likes of Marquinhos and Thiago Silva at PSG, um, and um, he's he's just not able to he's just not able to play a, a line that high with yeah. Arsenal as he'll as he'll quickly find out. Yeah, it's if all he's being exposed process. by the likes of yeah, if he's being exposed by the likes of Morata, who's who's not quick in any universe, um, you know he's he's not gonna be he's not gonna be playing that line for very long. I I know that he he vigorously uh, analyzes a, a, analyzes footage, so he'll he'll look at that and he'll. He'll tell Socrates and and uh, I've completely lost the name of the other centre half. So and Mustafi to and Mustafi to drop a whole lot deeper uh, in the coming games. I think, but yeah, Arsenal still to finish sixth. Then I'm hoping, look, I'm praying that United will beat Spurs and uh, and uh, and remain in my in my predicted top four. 
Okay. Uh, fair enough. But if, but if we but if we but if we beat if we beat Spurs, it'll be ugly. It'll be hideous. Mm. I'll come back on next week and I'll and I'll um I'll tell you all about how I fell asleep <laughs> during the game. Oh mate, I'm, I, no no doubt you won't hold back. That's for sure. But um but no mate, thank you very much again for coming on. Um, nah, no worries. Yeah, so boys, that 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 wraps up the show for tonight. Uh, thank you again to Jonathan for that fan question and. Uh, you know, each week we will be putting out a post uh, in regards to our fan questions. So do get involved. As I said, they they allow for us to have you know great conversation and to open up our uh, open up our thoughts uh, on on things like this. Because you know, in, in the process of putting things together, sometimes we forget topics and things. You know, to talk about little little things in there. So your your questions uh, definitely help. So please do keep sending them in each week. But uh, boys, I will say thank you, Bilal. Thank you again for coming on, Ollie. As usual, thank you very much. And um, no worries. With that, that that wraps up the show, and uh, boys, uh, we will we will talk same time next week. See you then, fellas. Cheers. Take it easy, boys. Bye. Hooroo.